Welcome to Green Talk, a podcast by Green Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Green Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. You're invested in your business, and as the only lender 100% invested in Canadian agriculture and food, so is FCC. Because a dream is just the start. A dream also needs a lender who understands where your dreams come from, where they can go, and what it takes to get there. If you want to start, grow, or transform your agriculture or food business, we can help. We're not just your lender, we're your champion, your catalyst, and we're behind you every step of the way. We are FCC. Dream, grow, thrive. Grain Farmers of Ontario thanks all of our industry partners, including FCC, for continuing to support our organization and the annual March Classic, despite the cancellations and challenges we faced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We look forward to seeing FCC at the 2021 March Classic. See their ad in the September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with researcher Adam Hayes and farmer Tyler McLean about the on-farm research program, which is evaluating best management practices for improving soil health. And I will check in with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario, for an update on our organization. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario held its annual general meeting on Tuesday, September 15th. Marcus Harrell, chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario, discussed how our organization has focused on increasing government support for grain farmers, the successes we have seen, and in the increased RMP funding at the provincial level and challenges we still face with the federal government and improvements to agri-stability. Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario, provided an update on other activities of the organization, including investments in research and outreach to researchers, domestic and international market development, farmer member and consumer communications and events, and wheat marketing. Grain Farmers of Ontario is also pleased to have an address from Ernie Hardman, Ontario's Minister of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. I've spoken to the Federal Minister Bebo many times to express the urgency of the need for enhanced support that Ontario is at the table, ready to move forward now. And I want to re-emphasize that Ontario is willing to move, are ready to move forward now if we can get the federal government to move forward on the improvements we're asking for in stability. I stressed to Minister Bebo that COVID-19 pandemic is straining farmers' ability to operate with decreased or delayed availability of labor, additional operating costs, uncertainty at the processing level, and excess market volatility. And reinforcing my message to Minister Bebo, Premier Ford raised the point directly with, with the pre- Prime Minister, emphasizing again the strong need for enhancements and updates to ag stability. I'm proud to say that Ontario stands with our vital agriculture sector and the agri-food heroes. We're ready to do our part, but we can't do it alone. Premier Doug Ford also joined the meeting to thank farmers for continuing to put food on the table during the COVID-19 pandemic and promised to support agri-stability efforts with the federal government. Most of all, I want to support our our farmers out there, which have never wavered from from day one. Uh, I think the world of you, I say it privately, but I say it publicly. Very few politicians will go out there and speak their mind, but I I will and I'll, I'll voice my opinion about the federal government uh, needs to step up. And I've mentioned this personally to the prime minister, 
numerous times, the uh, Deputy Prime Minister numerous times, and when we have a meeting this Friday, uh, I'll mention it again uh, over in Ottawa when I'm, when I'm there. But I want to thank uh, the farmers for stepping up throughout this pandemic. If it wasn't for you folks, you know, there, there, there wouldn't be the food on the, on the table. And I know everyone in Ontario appreciates uh, the hard work that you've done and, and we'll always stand shoulder to shoulder. I'll always have your back. And when I got, uh, during the campaign, I remember we promised we'd increase uh, the $50 million to, to the risk management. And I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I didn't, uh, I didn't need any convincing. <laughs> we, we promised it and we did. I just heard that we might have needed to be convinced, which it kind of took me back a little bit to be very frank with you, but um, I'll always, always be uh, supporting you folks. Uh, we also put the $15 million to enhance the, the health and safety measures of uh, farms and food processing. So if you ever need any support on, on the PPEs or anything along those lines, uh, by all means, just give our office a call and we'll, we'll be there with additional uh, items. But one, I just keep pounding the, the pavement uh, with the federal government and I'm going to bring the other uh, or other great premiers on, on side um, is the ag stability. You know, we, we have $40 million sitting here waiting to move. And I, I feel like I'm on hold uh, because, and I understand our, our strategy, and I say ours, all of ours together, is to make the, the feds hold them accountable to step up to the plate. And, uh, you know, I, what, what I would do, and I, I'm, this is just me, personal opinion, I'd be, I'd be targeting the MPs, uh, especially the, the federal MPs that, uh, that you have a big presence in. And I think there's 15 ridings or so, but I, I would be hammering them all day long and all, all night. Because at the caucus uh, you know, meetings that they have, the federal government, uh, they'll stand up and they'll, hopefully they're going to voice their opinion. But I will always, always support you and anything you need will be there. But again, uh, Marcus, uh, I want to thank you and the farmers for, for everything that, that you're doing. And if there's anything more that you can think of on a strategic side, by all means, uh, tell me and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do whatever it takes to get the proper funding. If you missed the AGM, look for the annual report online at gfo.ca slash about. The report outlines our activities for the past year and includes the audited financial statements which were presented at the AGM. Grain Farmers of Ontario congratulates Glacier Farm Media, the Ontario government, and Minister Hardiman on the announcement of a land agreement that will allow for the establishment of Discovery Farm Woodstock. Glacier Farm Media is proposing a Centre for Sustainability and Soil Health Education and advancements to showcase Ontario's vital agriculture centre and the farming practices that allow Ontario to deliver healthy, safe, nutritious grains and other agri-food products across the province, the country, and the world. Grain Farmers of Ontario is excited at the prospect of a Discovery Farm and how we could be a partner in this project. We continue to work with Glacier Farm Media to explore how it could be used to educate students, teachers, parents, government, and others on grain farming in our province. Updates to the Cover Crop Decision Tool have been made and are now available through the Midwest Cover Crop Council, which is hosting the Ontario data this year. To view the updated and refreshed tool, go to mccc.msu.edu slash cover crop tool. Recommendations in the tool range from which cover crop to use for your particular goals to the best period of year to establish a cover crop and at what seeding rate and depth to plant for your local area.
To get the full details of a species, make sure to click on the name of the cover crop. Ontario distillers are encouraged that Premier Doug Ford is urging Ontarians to buy locally made Ontario products. However, Spirits Canada is disappointed that his government is providing much better access to foreign made beer and wine than spirits made in Ontario by Ontario workers entirely from grain grown by Ontario farmers. It is well past time to put spirits into Ontario grocery stores alongside beer and wine. Grain Farmers in Ontario thanks all of our industry partners, including Spirits Canada, for continuing to support our organization and the annual March Classic, despite the cancellations and challenges we face as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We look forward to seeing Spirits Canada at the 2021 March Classic. See their ad in the September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer Magazine. And now, here are my discussions about the On-Farm Research Program. The On-Farm Applied Research and Monitoring On-Farm Program is a four-year applied research initiative delivered by the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association on behalf of the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs to support soil health and water quality research across farms in Ontario. This program is funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal provincial territorial initiative. Joining me now on the podcast to talk about the on-farm program is Adam Hayes, the former soil management specialist with OMAFRA, now working with the soil research group on this on-farm project. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thank you. I want to start with just a little bit of an explanation about what is the on-farm program. Can you give us a few more details about what's involved? Yeah, the on-farm program, there's uh, really two parts to it. Uh, There's one part that... uh, I'm heavily involved with and the other part a little bit. The first part is um, the continuation of the monitoring and modeling um, that was established in the Priority Sub-Watershed Project. And the second part is the establishment of on-farm paired trials uh, in-field to identify soil health indicators and test the effectiveness of best management practices for BMPs. This spring, there was uh, 25 research slash demonstration sites established across southern Ontario, and they're somewhat unique in the fact that they're uh, farm scale and uh, landscape based. So looking at uh, doing comparisons across uh, different landscapes uh, within a field. And what is it that's being researched in the fields? For the BMP part of the project, the effectiveness of cover crops or a combination of cover crops and organic amendments, such as manure, compost, or biosolids uh, to improve soil health are being studied. A suite of soil health indicators uh, were measured this spring at three benchmark locations per treatment strip before BMP treatments were applied. Detailed soil characterization was completed at each of these benchmarks. The treatments were applied after crop establishment or after a cereal crop this summer, or they will be applied throughout the rest of the season. Cover crop comparisons include interseeding a cover crop at the four to six leaf stage in corn, or as the corn matures or after cereals, soybeans, or corn, as well as late interseeding into soybeans. Organic amendment plots are set up with a check, a cover crop alone, an organic amendment alone, a cover crop, and an organic amendment together. The crop will be monitored throughout the season 
uh, hand yields will be taken at each benchmark, and the combine yields will also be taken for each treatment strip. In 2022, the soil health indicators will be uh, resampled to assess improvement from the BMP treatments. I know that's a fairly short time frame to see soil health changes, but that's uh, the uh, length of the project. In the sub-watershed part of the project, uh, SRG is um, measuring soil health indicators uh, at edge of field sites where conservation authorities are monitoring phosphorus loss. So what was the site selection criteria for the program? We had uh, a number of uh, criteria the, that we looked at uh, was uh, what equipment was available on the farm. Did the uh, farmer have precision ag capabilities such as uh, yield monitors? Uh, what BMPs were they currently utilizing and had experience with? Their communication abilities, uh, connections to organizations, soil health interests and goals, uh, experience with doing plots. Uh, we also looked at the potential site uh, suitability uh, as far as topography, uh, visibility from the road, uh, soil degradation of that uh, site or parts of that uh, field, uh, and the potential to see soil health improvement. Uh, as well as uh, location in the province, soil type, and operation type as we tried to um, get a range in uh, climactic uh, soil and uh, farm operations such as livestock, organic, uh, and various cash crop uh, operations as well as uh, horticulture. Now, we've mentioned that the program uh, involves AMAFRA, the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association, and the Soil Research Group. How do those three uh, organizations uh, work together on this project? AMAFRA contracted OSCIA to deliver on-farm, and then they in turn contracted SRG to implement the BMP effectiveness part of the project and to do the soil health sampling on the edge of field site for the priority sub-watershed project. So we have communication between OMAFRA, OSCIA, and SRG as far as the development of the project and rolling it out. And there's also a technical working group made up of the three organizations plus the conservation uh, authorities to provide advice on the project. What is your role in the on-farm program? I was hired to provide expertise from the soil management, uh, soil health and agronomic perspective. Uh, I assisted with the planning for the implement implementation of the product. I was the lead for the development of uh, cooperator selection criteria interviews of the 40-some potential cooperators and the scoring process. I also led the selection of the soil health indicators to be measured and the development of the treatments uh, for each farm. I was also involved in uh, site selection, soil health sampling, and coordinating treatment implementation. So from your perspective, why is this research important? Why is soil research important? Soil research, and in particular soil health research, is important for several reasons. There are a number of soil management practices that have been identified as improving soil health. There are many studies highlighting the benefits of crop rotation and re reduced or no tillage. There are some research or organic amendments uh, studies, but not a lot of Ontario research on the benefits of cover crops 
or the combination of the two. So it is hoped this will give some insight into that. Also, there are very few soil health benchmark sites across the province where soil health changes can be monitored over time. These sites will give us that opportunity. A significant portion of our soils continue to be degraded from management practices. Many growers want to improve the health of their soils and are looking for the best way to do that. The pro this project, especially if it continues be beyond the three years, could help with that. Now, how are the uh, farmer cooperators going to benefit from being involved in this program? There's uh, several benefits for the farmer cooperators. They have the opportunity to learn more about uh, the soils with the soil characterization. They um, have the ability to learn about uh, their soil profile, their different uh, soil textures and layers in the soil. And with all the soil health uh, sampling uh, that's being done at uh, those benchmarks, they have uh, an opportunity to learn about the health of their soil and to have a benchmark of the health of their soil from 2020. They also have the opportunity to learn about something they're interested in, such as is this cover crop or cover crop mixture better for soil health than another one? They can learn about the management of different uh, cover crops if they're trying different uh, species or mixes uh, in their treatments. Uh, others will have the opportunity to quantify the benefits of the organic amendment or the combination of organic amendment and cover crop uh, for soil health. They, uh, we're hoping that there'll be a fair bit of uh, communication and meetings with some of the other cooperators uh, from across the province, so they would also have the opportunity to learn what's being learned on other sites uh, as well as from uh, other cooperators. How about Ontario farmers in general? Will they see some benefits from this research? Yes, I think uh, Ontario farmers will benefit uh, from what is learned in uh, general from the project uh, over the three years through newsletters, uh, websites, and, and meetings uh, that are held to share that information. And the sites are set up as uh, research and demonstration sites. So uh, farmers uh, would have the opportunity to visit uh, some of these sites in their region and uh, get a chance to see the cover crops uh, growing or um, the benefits of the organic amendment treatments uh, on their own soils and in their local area. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to tell us a little bit about the on-farm program today. We appreciate the information. You're very welcome. Now that we've learned about the on-farm program, let's hear from one of the farmer cooperators who are involved in the project. Joining us now on the Green Talk podcast is Tyler McLean, a farmer in Brant County. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Um, we just want to, I guess, understand a little bit more about uh, your involvement with the on-farm program and about you as a farmer and your interest, uh, you know, in doing these types of uh, soil health research projects. So why don't we start with a little bit about your farm, um, you know, what you farm, where you are and sort of, uh, you know, how long have you been farming? Well, I run a cash crop um, and custom farming operation with my parents, Barry and Minnie, and my wife, Allison. Our home farm would be located, as said, in the east end of Brant County, so that's the heavy clay side. Um, we do have land, both lighter ground, both in Norfolk and Wentworth counties as well. 
we run, mainly farm corn, soybeans, and wheat. Also do grow 20 to 40 acres of oats a year for cover crop seed. Our crop rotation may vary from a three to five year rotation depending on the soil type. Um, we're long time no tillers for our soybeans, wheat, um, corn. We do, we're new as of 2017 to strip till. Past this year, our home farm, which we're based off, my grandfather purchased in 1952. Um, the prior owner of that farm actually mined it. And it took my grandfather his whole lifetime to actually bring that soil test up to respectable levels on that farm. So is that what sparked your interest in soil health? That and I guess my grandfather and my father, I grew up shadowing them, following them around um, and just they were, they were both very passionate about soil health. Um, through the years, they taught me and showed me the improvements they were making to our farms, um, the challenges they had overcome. And the biggest thing when you're in no-tiller is patience. With the focus of soil health, we have been using some cover crops, some red clover specifically for over 50 years on the farm. Working with them, we wanted to take a step forward. So around 2014, we started looking at some different options. In the past, we had clover. We wanted to plant soybeans the following spring, but in the fall, we had have to work the clover under to get a seed bed for spring. Um, wanting to eliminate that tillage pass, we started using a multi-species cover crop mix, um, which also allowed us to, in the next spring, just no-till the soybeans direct into it. Over the last few years, we have seen some benefits in our soil health, whether it's some water infiltration, um, water holding capacity, carrying capacity, just the overall soil health, which right down to actually better yields in those farms. But for me, actually, what my aha moment who made me really take the next step into this is actually when my first child was born. It kind of hit home that I wanted to hand the farm off to the next generation, whether it's him or whether it's my other children, in better shape than I received it in. So it really took my focus really to number one of soil health and regenerative ag. Because if we as farmers want to see the next generation survive, we need to make some changes on how we farm. It took Mother Nature thousands of years to build what we have, and we can destroy it in one single generation. Now, do you find that, as you mentioned, you some of your farmland is on heavier clay soils? Is that more of a challenge to do these initiatives that you want to do in terms of soil health when you're we're farming that harder ground? It poses yeah, its own challenges, definitely. Um, it's just it's clay. It's you have one day it's too early, one day it's too late, and one day if you're lucky it's just right. So we have to treat it differently. Um, convection anywhere is a problem, but on clay. A severe problems. We're doing everything we can to um, mitigate that, um, whether it's use of cover crops, big tires, tracks, just staying off the farm when it's wet. Mm -hmm. Yield potential is not there on as better ground, but we are seeing our yields increase as we've increased the soil health. What made you want to be involved in the on-farm program? When we were asked, it sparked our interest. We've been doing a lot of things to try and improve our soil health, but had no scientific proof what's happening. Um, you know, I, as the farmer in me says, we can go out there, we can see the difference. We can tell you there's a difference, but there's no documented true paperwork saying this has actually changed. This is what's happening. You've made these improvements over this amount of time. With all the work and all the money we've invested into it, it's nice to actually have something there besides the farmer in me saying it's working. So what project or best management practice is being evaluated at your farm site? We have, I guess, technically it's two sites. Um, we have one site based on our home farm, which, as mentioned before, was we've owned since 1952. It's been in our man management since then. My grandfather growing cover crops on it. It's been in a three-year rotation. It, we've tried to manage it as best we could. And then the other site's right over the fence, 200 feet on a farm. We took over managing about five years ago. 
both these fields were in winter wheat, so we've since seeded cover crops on both of them. Both sides of the fence, we've left a strip with no cover crop. So it gives us, on the side that we've owned for years, a benchmark of what we built it to. And as we go forward, what changes, which in, it's a little healthier state, but how much more improvement can we make? On the other side of the fence, we're looking at, um, it's basically, how long does it take to improve? We'll keep putting cover crops and leaving that one strip bare, and so that would be our the benchmark of what it was and the around that the, the rest of the farm will be where we're going with it and see see the improvements actually be able to measure the soil health improvement what cover crops are you using on um, on that farm we actually have it's a oats peas radish buckwheat and a little bit of sunflowers just for public perception we do use some others we have a couple strips with some crimson clover some uh, austrian winter peas but our main is the oats peas radish and buckwheat and is that different from your normal cover crops that you would use, like specific to this research project, or is that traditionally what you use? That's traditionally what we use. We carried on with the research project using the same ones we've always used. So the results um, that you get from this trial then will actually be beneficial to your farm because it is your, your traditional farming practice that you're, in fact, researching. Correct. Yes, for sure. Yep. That allows us to see if it's actually working what we're doing. So what results do you expect or hope to see from the trials? I'm assuming, obviously, that what you're doing actually is working. First off, I hope there's positive results because then it's we're not throwing money away. Um, secondly, I'd like to see is to be able to put some kind of timeline on this as if we take over a new farm that we know in five years we can hit this benchmark level. Um, and I know every situation is different, but it gives us an idea to budget that in to as we move forward on different pieces of ground. Now, do you foresee any challenges with this project? Well, one major challenge that the guys have already faced um, was they were trying to do some soil sampling in heavy clay and realized it's quite a workout um, and you bend several probes trying to get them in the ground. Mm -hmm. um, going forward, long as mother nature cooperates and allows us to keep our crop rotation and the guy myself driving the planter doesn't forget to not plant those strips. So I think everything should actually go pretty smoothly. Now, um, you mentioned that you have used cover crops in the past year. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, what has your experience been like? Can you tell us a little bit more about the benefits that you've seen or the changes that you've seen in soil structure with, um, you know, your cover crops or even with your, your different uh, tillage practices? And actually, I'm going to pick on a farm. It's actually on the opposite side of this farm. It's where my father lives. Um, it's a farm with no tile and we had, it was in a cover crop, um, it's a piece of radish cover crop, and we had approximately 14 inches of rain in the in the months of I think it was May, June. There's no tile on that farm, and but we had cover crop, and that we never had standing water. Those beans didn't suffer from the water as the water was just able to infiltrate down, whether it's following the old root channels or what. It was absolutely amazing, um, and that's just one piece, but in general, we've seen um, better, in this year, prime example with the dry weather we're having, our crops aren't suffering from water stress as much as some others, whether it's the cover crop under there holding better moisture or organic matter is increasing. So our basically water holding capacity is increased. Some of the other things we've seen too is just um, in the fall harvestability, we're able to get on some of these farms when it's dicier conditions versus others, we can't because it's too wet, it's too muddy, we'll make a mess, but these farms carry. And the other thing that's just absolutely amazing, you see more and more is earthworms. So my livestock. We don't have any cattle or chickens or anything, but we have lots of earthworms. Now, what do you hope to get out of your involvement in on-farm, you know, I guess outside of the benefits that we've already talked about in terms of finding out if your practices actually do work? 
just the knowledge. I love learning. Um, I, the researchers that have been out so far, I, I could sit for days talking to them, the amount of knowledge there. And basically what we're doing, what we always want to improve, and maybe out of this we'll find some improvements we can make, um, things we can change to take ourselves to the next level. And so basically out of it, I want to learn. That's the big answer. In relation to that, what do you hope other farmers in your county or even across the province learn from the work that you're doing and your involvement with On Farm? That all the extra work managing these cover crops plant and time it takes is worth it. Um, even though we're farming on heavy clay soils, we can still make positive improvements and see the differences. Um, you know, we're a business that hopefully and majority of farmers in Ontario want to pass it on to the next generation. Well, we have to keep improving things to make it profitable for the next generation. We keep doing things the same way, you know, it's, we won't be profitable for the next generation. It won't be prosperous. Thanks for taking the time, Tyler, to explain to us the work that's being done in your farm. And we look forward to seeing the results from this on-farm project. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you about it. CCAN is excited to share we are a proud supporter of rural youth through 4-H. Over the past seven years, CCAN has donated more than $429,000 to 4-H across Canada through the Grow a Leader program. This year's Early Order Week is scheduled for October 12th to 19th. For Roundup Ready soybeans ordered during that time and planted next spring, CCAN will donate $1 per unit to 4-H clubs in your local area. Contact your CCAN soybean retailer now and grow a leader. Grain Farmers of Ontario thanks all of our industry partners, including CCAN, for continuing to support our organization and the annual March Classic, despite the cancellations and challenges we've faced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We look forward to seeing CCAN at the 2021 March Classic. See their ad in the September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. Joining us today on the podcast, we have Crosby Devitt. Thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Paige. So we had a pretty busy two weeks, these last two weeks here at Grain Farmers of Ontario with the annual general meeting happening and the big new announcement at the Outdoor Farm Show. Can you kind of walk me through the AGM a little bit? I know we went virtual this year. So how was attendance? Was it well received? Did you get lots of feedback? Yeah, we had a, it's certainly been a year of firsts uh, for I think everyone around the world, but certainly at GFO on Tuesday morning, we had our first virtual annual general meeting. So we always uh, typically have that in Woodstock uh, the morning of the first day of the farm show, but uh, we went virtual this year. And so um, it went really well. We, as you can imagine, the first time you do something like this, um, you're just uh, hoping everything goes well and the technology works well, but it, it really did. It, it really went well this year. Good, 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 good. So attendance wise, did we get lots of people out or? Yeah, we weren't. I mean, that's another uh, thing you're not quite sure who's, who's going to show up, but we had uh, well over 150 participants and uh, a, a big percentage of our delegates uh, were on the call on the zoom meeting and were able to participate uh, as well. So uh, we were quite happy with that. That's probably typical in terms of what we might see in the in-person meeting. Um, so nice to see similar numbers and, and participation that way. Yeah, it's good that that kind of all worked out and same same amount of numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so were there some key moments you thought that stood out at the annual general meeting? Definitely. So, I mean... Our annual meeting is is an opportunity for farmer members and delegates to hear a recap from you know what happened over the last year of the organization, and that includes the financial update from our accountants and our, our auditors, 
but also some key things. And so, you know, we did we did have a lot of uh, a lot lot of updates. Um, couple key things. Uh, we were really fortunate to have um, Premier Ford and our Agriculture Minister Hardiman join the meeting and bring their updates. And uh, certainly our our farmer members heard firsthand um, from both of them how strong they support uh, agriculture and see it as a priority and uh, some of the work that they're doing on our behalf. And so that was really a nice highlight to uh, to have them take time out of their day. And uh, you can imagine it's pretty busy these days in government. So um, to take that time to be part of our annual meeting was was great to see. So with that, we had those special guests attended and after our AGM, they both made quite a big announcement at the Outdoor Farm Show. Do you think you can kind of take us through what that big announcement was and what that might mean for Green Farmers of Ontario? Yeah, so our meeting was in the morning and then um, the later on, on Tuesday, uh, Minister Hardiman made an announcement uh, out the at the outdoor farm show site in Woodstock, and it was related to the intent for the Ontario government to uh, sell the land that is uh, the the parcel that the outdoor farm show sits on uh, to Glacier, and Glacier is the owner of the show, and so there's a few benefits. Um, to that, obviously, it gives it a permanent site. Um, certainly, it's been on that site for a number of years, and there's been infrastructure built. But uh, until you know true ownership happens, it's uh, it's not really permanent. One of the areas where uh, we've been discussing with Glacier and others uh, from GFO is around the opportunity for uh, more agricultural education, and so as GFO, um, many would know, we're very involved in outreach to the public about grain farming and agriculture and all the good things that it brings to consumers. We've also got a educational side where we work with uh, classroom cur curriculum to bring, you know, the power of plants and grains in your life and, and how plants grow and things like that. Um, what we see here is an opportunity to partner um, to expand an educational opportunity to, to an in-person experience. And so at the Outdoor Farm Show um, and the research station there, there's, there's facilities, there's fields, there's, there's uh, the opportunity to set up demonstrations and educational things where we may have uh, student groups come through or, or uh, field trips from classrooms. And so we're pretty excited about uh, exploring that opportunity. Um, we don't have all the details yet. I mean, we needed this first step uh, to happen to to allow us to kind of really flesh it out. But uh, there's definitely an opportunity uh, to work together on this and bring, you know, what happens on a real life farm uh, to the minds of students and people that are interested in really just understanding how it all works on the farm and how their food is produced. Yeah, that actually, uh, just from what I've read, that sounds fantastic. And I definitely think, you know, having that educational kind of pull will definitely bring out more students to that. And uh, just from last year's experience at the Outdoor Farm Show, it was mm -hmm. uh, lots mm -hmm. of students on the one day, I remember. So no, it's definitely, good. yeah. Um, have you had time to check out the Outdoor Farm Show on online yet? Or Yeah, so like everything, it's different this year. Um, so it's... Uh... It's an, a virtual farm show this year. And so, yeah, actually, I was able to take a look at it last night and quite interesting and uh, innovative how, you know, try to build that 
interaction in um, was quite interesting. And I know uh, actually earlier today, we had a session with Grain Farmers of Ontario hosting a, a round table on grain marketing. So uh, so I, I, I've heard it went well and there was lots of good good dialogue around that too. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I got to sit in on it. So it was actually quite interesting to, to listen to everybody. Okay. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a little bit of your time and being on the podcast today. Um, I know you're super busy, but thank you. Thanks so much, Paige. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Adam Hayes, Tyler McBlain, and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.